0: And iShine founder, solo parenting expert, and all-around foodie, Mr. Robert Beeson. Join us each week as we explore and engage with some of the most intriguing, inspiring, outrageous, and awesome parents in the world. This is Brilliantly Brave.
1: Hi, welcome to Brilliantly Brave Parenting. I am your co-host, Pastor Brad. Full of energy, Brad. I am full of energy. I am uh, I'm enjoying the summer here in Tennessee.
2: It's also called cold medicine.
1: Well, I can tell, you know, there is definitely the extra perk. Yeah. Uh, Advil cold and sinus is the, the medicine of choice for me. Mm. Um, I don't know why, but Did you double up the dose today. I might have. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think what happens is that in the fall I, I get or, you know, late summer, I get allergies. Everybody else gets them in the spring. I don't hmm. get it. What's the deal? I'm not sure. You're the doctor. I couldn't help you there. Well, uh, I didn't study that. Uh, What I can say is that I'm happy to be here. Are you happy to be here? I'm extremely happy
2: to be here. This is going to be a good episode.
1: It's fantastic. And, you know, one of the exciting things in Season 2 is that we've added video, Mm -hmm. and uh, we've added a mascot. I'm not sure how excited people are. I mean,
2: you know, you're behind a mic typically because you've got the face for being behind a mic, not being out in public, so... I appreciate that it's exciting i'm not talking talk about myself here but um but yeah it is kind of a new technology and uh, we're excited about that
1: well one of the great things about technology is that we can communicate with people all over the world yep and uh we can invite them right into our studio in franklin tennessee which is kind of a cool studio we've updated it this season mm-hmm. you look good wrap against that vintage black you know brick wall it's cool, and then we have we have sort of uh, this big screen TV, brilliantly brave on it, and and we have lighting, and um, you know we haven't done makeup yet, but we're getting there. Yeah, maybe right. one day. Yeah, party hats. So uh, the big deal here is that parents are in the middle of going back to school; they're getting into the routine of a busy, busy life, and they are trying to juggle uh, if if anything, the ability to be a parent who survives the experience, as well as someone who passes their faith along Mm. to their kids. And they're getting them church, they're trying to get there on time there. And one of the areas that they might be struggling uh, is in their personal time to read scripture. Mm -hmm. Uh, I know if, if people are like you and I that their days are compressed beyond measure. Absolutely,
2: and and spending time in the Word is is you know it's critical and it's life giving. Um, yet it's one of those things that um, if I'm honest, it's it's a struggle for me to like where am I going to carve out the time? Something's got to give, and you know so. I'm th- specifically excited to talk to our guest about that today, who knows a little something about this.
1: Yeah, t- today's guest is a established author, speaker, uh, sort of an expert. He's been involved with AWANA, uh, with INCM. These are friends of us mm-hmm. uh, that we work with through the Tween Gospel Alliance, and his name is Keith Farron, and we want to welcome Keith today to Brilliantly Brave.
2: Thanks. Good to be here. It's great to have you.
1: You know, Keith, uh, we had a chance in the pre uh you know, studio discussion to sort of hear a little bit of your story to kind of find out some of your passions and where your heart's at, but be really great. If you could share just quickly with our audience, sort of your background and uh, who who you are as a dad and as a family. Okay. Well, I live
3: just outside of Seattle. I have one wife, three kids, <laughs> and uh, we our, our kids are Starting next year, we're on a brand new journey because we will have our oldest entering high school. Our middle will still be in smack dab in the middle of middle school in seventh grade. And our youngest will be in third grade. And my wife is a kindergarten teacher. (laughs) Wow. So so I have three school age children and a wife that works in the public schools. Uh, Right now, as we're recording this, they are driving to a water park. Mm. (laughs) and because uh july and august are you know i think we hear angels sing every morning or at least the four of them do (laughs) And, (laughs) and so that's that's kind of the the personal side of it as far as the ministry side i graduated from college thinking that i would either be a youth pastor or a high school counselor and soccer coach grew up on the soccer field and ended up doing the youth pastor thing to start with for six years and spent a little bit of time as a school counselor. But uh, after that, and then uh, was a soccer coach for a while and still coach my kids. Hmm. But um, but in the midst of the time as, as a youth pastor, I started doing more speaking. And the, the kind of unique piece of that was that I started doing some some word for word presentations of books of the bible so doing some storytelling um, that is word for word scripture that i had seen, kind of that's what woke me up i guess if you would to the kind of the bible being not just true but awesome hmm. uh, when i saw a guy back i can trail it back to april 18th of 1993 when i saw a guy named bruce Kuhn, present the gospel of Luke and it came alive to me and he challenged me to soak into bigger chunks of scripture and to internalize more of it. And to, and so that kind of led to me speaking about it and, and doing the storytelling. But then also for me, I didn't come from an acting drama background, was never did anything other than, uh, other than youth group skits. And uh, so for me, it was always an entry point into a conversation about how do we, how do we move from should to want how do we actually enjoy the bible mm. not just believe it and so that's that that ended up getting busy enough with the speaking and the storytelling that that after 6 years of youth ministry and i i left that full time i started the, my ministry in in 96 and overlapped for about a year and a half and then in 97 left the the full time church staff role and have Spent from ninety you know, from ninety seven until now. Kind
2: of Doing traveling. your thing. Writing books. Writing. Yeah. Well, I'm so glad you brought this up because I love what you said about the um, should read the Bible to want to read the Bible. And I know that you've you've written a book that you're known for in, in regards to that, what tell us a little bit as much as you can in a short amount of time, what are Mm -hmm. some of the secrets that you found help transform someone into just wanting or thinking they should do it to actually desiring to get into it? What's, what's
0: behind
3: that? Yeah. And we could, we could definitely do a a five hour episode on that (laughs) sometimes if you'd like, uh, but, but in, in essence, if I was going to boil it down to, okay, how can we do this in three to five minutes? I would say the first thing that changed for me is what I call reading the Bible relationally, not just reading it informationally.
0: Hmm. I find
3: that when I ask people, so why do you read the Bible? Well, because it's God's rule book for life, because it shows me how to live life, because I want to know God's will, and I want to know what he—and all those are good and sound good, but from the time— Our kids are really, really little. We talk about them wanting, about God wanting a personal relationship with them, Mm -hmm. but then we don't have our conversations about the Bible be relational. Hmm. We don't don't frequently talk about the Bible as, okay, yeah, you're going to learn something, but the primary purpose of reading the Bible is not to learn what God wants us to know. The primary purpose of reading the Bible should be to hang out with Jesus. Hmm. And in that, there are days when he's going to teach us something. There are days when he's going to correct you on something or inspire you or encourage you or comfort you or any of those. But there are also some days when you just want to enjoy the read. And Hmm. you you both and myself and your listeners, I'm assuming with the name of this podcast, are parents. Well, think about your own kids. I am guessing that there are days when you teach your kids something. And you days when you correct them, discipline them, comfort them, encourage them, inspire them, all that. But I would also guess that there are some days when you just go play catch, Hmm. or you catch a movie, or you bake some cookies, or whatever it is. And those days are not less valuable. In fact, fact, I would say those are the days that lay the foundation from which our kids are more apt to receive our instruction, more apt receive our correction, our encouragement, our comfort, Hmm. because that relationship is solid. And yet, I've I've heard my whole life, God has something to teach you every day. And I no longer believe that. Uh, (laughs) Please do not hear what I'm not saying. (laughs) I'm not saying God does not have something for you every day. I absolutely believe God has something for you every day. But sometimes what he has for you is just to blow you away with how good he is. Um, or how funny a story in scripture is, or how um, just, or how he worked in other messy people's lives. (laughs) And, and it's, and I think sometimes we go to the Bible and we say, okay, what does this say? What does this mean? How does this apply? And we kind of go through this checklist of finding those answers to those questions. Mm -hmm. And not that they're bad questions. They're great questions. But but I think the umbrella under which those questions need to needs to be asked is an umbrella of relationship. So, so my approach to the Bible really changed as I was challenged by Bruce to read big chunks of scripture. I found myself going to the Bible primarily to know God, primarily to be with God. And the irony is, is the more relational my approach was, the more that I actually retained the information. The more that I actually hmm. The more that I actually wanted to apply, um, so
1: I love that. So, I do, I do too, man. We're we're like fans of that. Uh, we're we're both just kind of bobbing our heads right here. I I mean, at the end of the day, uh, I remember taking my family on a long road trip, and uh, God just sort of whispering in my ear, "Don't use this to be a teaching moment. Like, let them." enjoy my creation, let them enjoy the beauty and the process you don't as a parent have to constantly want, you know, 100% of the time be teaching with everything that happens. And, uh, you know, for me as a dad, like I'm always, you know, I'm always insecure, essentially, that I'm not teaching enough. And so what you just said, I think is so refreshing, so encouraging, takes so much pressure off of parents to constantly be on, you know, constantly be uh, instructing our kids. I know, Robert, you and I have had this talk before, so that was very encouraging to hear that. Yeah, it is.
2: And I think looking at God that way helps, uh, like you just said, talking about the relational side of it. I know with my kids, the instruction happens and the correction happens and all that, but it's just the spending time that anchors it. And that's, to me, that's what makes all those other facets of parenting work is that it's anchored in a relationship that is not based on performance, but it's just about being with each other. I love, I think that's what I'm getting out of what you're saying. And I, I think that's exactly right.
1: Yeah. Cause yeah. If, I mean, I mean, point- if you
3: got together with a, if you got to get together with a friend at a coffee shop once a week, that would, be, that would be great. There would be days that you'd learn something, days that you'd be encouraged, days that you'd be challenged, all those mm. kinds of things. But if every single time you sat down for five weeks in a row, he said, oh, here's what I need to teach you today, <laughs> you would quickly be, you'd quickly be making excuses to yep. not get together. Right. Which is, I think, without consciously thinking that, that's exactly what we do with God, is because we're not necessarily ready to learn every time we open the bible mm. and we sometimes we just need to know he's there sometimes. i love that but yeah
2: that's really great so, great distinction
1: yeah i man keith that was great and, and very rich i you know one of the things that we uh in, at i shine the ministry that robert and i are a part of is we've really noticed the need to engage our kids hearts and not mm-hmm. just the intellect that there there needs to be um, sort of this winning of their trust that God is good, that his plans for them are better than their plans for them. Uh, and and the idea that you're describing is really redefining our relationship with God beyond just teacher, mentor, uh, father, disciplinarian, to friend, to confidant. And uh, I really, man, I know I'm 47. I'm just now starting to really explore that. And for you to be able to, you know, introduce that to your kids and really be aware of that, I, I'm impressed and encouraged by that. Before we move on to
2: the the next question, what is the book that you talk about that the most? And I want to make sure we get that on this broadcast.
3: It's called How to Enjoy Reading Your Bible, hmm. and and it's yeah. If you I mean, if you look on if you look on Amazon or whatever, it's the how, one to how to enjoy reading your Bible. Like bright orangey yellow.
1: And it, and it also has some really good reviews on Goodreads, uh, which is a great right. yeah, great website, uh, goodreads.com. And, and it, you know, it has a like a five and a half star rating or uh, 107 ratings. A lot of people have read this book. It's impacted a lot of lives. And so what you're talking about, how you're describing it, um, I think for today's parent, especially the parents who are engaged in the church, this can get stale this whole idea yeah. of discipleship going to youth group, studying the word you know it, it bogs down at some point if people do it for more than a year or two what what suggestions do you have for the parent or uh, the pastor even who's who's trying to reignite some passion for reading the scripture
3: well, I would go back to reiterate the way in which we talk about it needs to be relational, not informational. Mm-hmm. And so that anytime, time that we can, we can bring that language uh, into it. And, and sometimes I think it's having a season in which, whether it's our small groups or whether it's our one-on-one getting together with friends or whatever, or youth groups where we really, really simplify our approach to the Bible to say, okay, um, here, here's what we're going to do. We're all going to read the New Testament through over the next, whatever, two, three, four months. And But what we're going to do is we're not all going to discuss the exact same thing. Just sit down. Everybody commit to four times a week. <coughs> sit down and read for 20 minutes. Just put a time frame on it instead of a quantity. That changes your whole mindset. I mean, I do a whole thing on that in the book of how our, if we change our mindset from an amount to amount of content to an amount of time it totally changes how we read the bible so if somebody says i'm going to just sit down for 20 minutes or 30 minutes or whatever then and, and then you put your bookmark in and and you keep reading or whatever and then our conversations just are on you know on at our small groups or our sunday school classes or our youth groups or whatever are just okay hey what conversations did you and god have what did you see because that opens it up for somebody to ask a question, for somebody to share an insight, for somebody to share something they learned, for somebody to share a cool story, for somebody to share how God's using His Word to shape them. And so I find that we, we sometimes over-program the way that we try to have discussions about the Bible, which doesn't which, which limits, actually, hmm. our conversation to what we learned or what we want to apply rather than opening it up. To include what we've learned and what we want to apply, but also just what we've noticed and what we, what confuses us and what encourages us or inspires us, whether it's something to be applied or not. And so, um, so I will even frequently refer um, to my time in the Word as as Bible reading rather than Bible study, huh. uh, because in my Bible reading I learn, and in my Bible reading I enjoy and and so so i think that some of the language that we that we use around that um is you know is yeah. a big piece of that and that's the way i try to talk to my kids about it i try to yeah. talk to them about reading the bible and here's why i want here, here's why i want you to read the bible and you know i mentioned the ages of my kids and so you know, uh, one i've got the front front end where somebody's trying to you know, is is kind of perfecting her own reading, if you will, at, a, at almost nine years old. So okay. she's trying to just even learn and getting the right translation for her that she can dive into. But then, you know, my two older kids are in high school and, and middle school and trying to talk, trying to really build in them, hey, I don't want you to just be able to check off the I read for 15 minutes or somehow if you didn't read today, God and I are both super disappointed in you. <laughs> Yeah, I mean it's just like it, 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 it's it's one of those things where they're adolescents. They're trying to figure out how to do this thing in are and they're and they're, just, they're exploring their life with God and they're exploring the Bible and they're exploring. Jesus. I, I want I want them to be able to decide before they're eighteen and leave that this is something they want to continue, not mm-hmm. just something they believe because I told them and their mom told them that they should believe it. You know, um, so so a lot of that language around
1: there. Yeah. So it sounds to me like you've had some personal experience with your own family. You're not just a speaker. You're not just an expert, quotation marks. Uh, You're a real dad with real kids with real experiences. And so uh, I would love if you would share with, with our listeners, our audience today, you know, what are some of the things that you know, you've, you've bumped into in the real world, uh, as you try to inspire your own children to, to read the word of God.
3: Yeah. I, I think that, uh, one, one piece that has become very real is that to me is, and anybody that has more than one kid can relate to this, okay. that you wonder how they came from the same gene pool. Yeah. And, <laughs> <Definitely>. <laughs> and and you and you realize that your kids don't always process things the same way you do, mm. and uh, and so it's interesting as I even look at my my different kids and both the ages they are at the genders they are the approach to life the 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 enjoying to read versus not I mean my you know, I've got my my youngest daughter is actually probably the one who most wants to read uh and so she's she's the one that even though I'll I'll take last night for example last night we got to bed super late and the you know the temptation for me as a parent is just get in bed right <laughs> and and she's like well dad can you can you read with me this and can you and she was talking about her you know little the uh, kind of a, we read part of the Bible and part of this, the different devotionals and different things like that. And she's like, can you read me a couple of these? Can you read me a couple of these? Whatever. And it's it's one of those things where, how do you say, no, it's late. We're not talking about the Bible.
1: <laughs> <laughs>
2: yeah. But everything in your mind is going, no, it's late. So she's We're not actually asking
0: it.
1: to read the Bible. I shouldn't say <laughs> I, no to that. Yeah. Yeah. Cause I, I kind
3: of joke there are two different types of people in the world. There are light switch people and battery people, you know, light switch people, they've got two speeds high and asleep. And <laughs> battery people can have high energy, but they wear down throughout the day.
2: Mm.
3: Well, I'm a battery living with four light switches. So, <laughs> <laughs> so, so, and yes, that was a prayer request. Uh, but, uh, but it's something. It, it's something where I, for her, she'll read with me kind of whenever mm. I want, and and she will read on her own as well. And my uh, our son is is one that he actually processes and prefers, but he's a a fairly slow reader. He's amazing at retention, but his speed is low, Mm. and so for him, sometimes he likes to actually have the audio Bible in while he's reading, and then he put his headphones in when he went out to mow the lawn the other day and came back in and said, yeah, I finished up the last six chapters of Genesis and started the first two or three of Exodus while I was
0: mowing.
3: (laughs) (laughs) Okay, great you know, and then, and I think quite on, you know, in all transparency, my oldest daughter is, is one that, I mean, she absolutely loves youth group and loves singing and loves all that. And she's in that space right now where she's wrestling a bit with the should to want thing. Mm -hmm. And for her, um, I mean, she'll have a conversation with me about the Bible. She'll talk about youth group. She'll talk about it. I mean, I know that it's something that that she believes and knows and understands, and she's given her life to Christ, and she asked to be baptized and was baptized. You know, I mean, so so she's there in that relationship, but I think the being drawn into regularly reading Scripture on her own is is something that she's in a season where that's that's not as easy as it is with our other two kids right now. So, so let me ask
2: it. let me ask you a question on that, and I don't mean to put you right. on the spot here, but. I go back and forth on how I feel about this. Um, The idea of if our kids are, I'm not going to say resisting, but they're just not excited about either going to church or reading the Bible. What is your view on the appropriate parental response to that? Is it to not force them to do it? Or because I've, I've talked to many people that have differing opinions. Like, you know, you just do this because it's what we do as a family. You go to church and, or, you know, you've got to, respect the fact that they need to find God on their own. Where do you line up in that? And I don't mean to put you on the spot, but since you're here,
3: (laughs) yeah, since you're here, I'm going to put you on the spot. (laughs) Enjoy the spot.
2: Enjoy the spot. Uh,
3: I, I would say that is, uh, and this isn't a cop out. I'll, I'll give you more of an answer in a second, but I, I do believe that that this is really a case by case thing, because I do think there are kids that, need to be pushed before they realize they like it Mm -hmm. and they never will do that on their own
2: and they exhibit that in other areas too i mean
3: and and we're not just talking about faith here we're talking about the kids the kids who were so thankful their mom and dad forced them to take those first two years of piano lessons because now they love it and they never would have sat down to play the piano or to try playing you know soccer different
2: sports. or whatever
3: yeah no. oh, well i've always liked soccer but yeah it wasn't until they forced me to take you know two months of tennis lessons i realized that's now my favorite sport right. whatever it is right. so i think there are some personalities where it's that and some where it's just got to be uh, uh, uh just almost the constant dripping of conversation and to and and blanketing it with massive amounts of prayer right. to uh and and finding other people that will invite them, and I mean sometimes there's that that workaround of hey I can't force my kid to go to youth group, but will you have your daughter invite <laughs> your daughter to youth, whatever it is, right? right, right. Um, so I think there's some of that. I do think that in, in depending on the ages of your kids, I think with you know with younger kids, I would say elementary school on down, uh, I think that that regular activities of faith. So I would talk about you know, events with church. I would say church itself. I would say um, conversations with a small group or, or getting specific play dates with other friends, you know, our, mm-hmm. our uh, Jesus followers. I think that, that that's gotta be something that, that they're learning what is regular and what we do as a family and what this faith thing is all about. So I think as much as we can, um, I, I would have a hard time with a parent arguing that their third grader said they don't want to go to church so that's okay we won't go to church right, uh, right. because i don't think they're at a place where they um or so once you get into middle school and high school that gets a little bit tougher i would say with middle school there still needs to be a, a bit more of a of a forcing if you will but i uh,
2: but when but it comes also, to reading the bible not just going to church but the thought of like if you're if you're, How much of a discipline is it versus, you know, we just try to make it as attractive as possible, specifically like reading the Bible?
3: Speci- oh, well, speci- specifically with reading the Bible, um, I, I think that's where the, the families that I found it easier for mm-hmm. are the families that are homeschooling,
2: mm-hmm. which
3: we are not the families that are homeschooling, that can build Bible reading into, into part of the right. curriculum. And so, uh, and so I feel like the, the challenge there is making sure that the Bible, the challenge for in that environment is making sure that the Bible isn't just another textbook. Right. Um, but making sure that the conversations are relational and applicable to life and all that. And it's not just, okay, we've done math and now we're gonna do Bible and then we're gonna do science and then we're gonna do English and whatever. Um, for people who aren't like myself, I think that what I've what I've done uh, and still continue to do since, since it's not just everybody is fully on board with reading their Bible all the time mm-hmm. is trying to build in more times, and this is super hard with three kids and different activities and sports and all that kind of stuff, but finding as many times as I can when all five of us can sit down and I actually read it and mm-hmm. we can have a conversation then. Sometimes it means that that I do that reading while the kids are eating, and i I eat cold food, or or I right. eat really fast and bring the Bible out before that we leave the table or something like that. And um, not to paint the picture that we have a a nice, well organized family dinner for an hour every single night, <laughs> uh, because sometimes so, you know sometimes I'm just trying to make sure the bagel gets in the right hole before practice. And, uh, right. <laughs> but uh, but I think that that I would say I don't at least. We have not decided to force our kids to, okay, you can't do anything else until you've read your Bible for twenty minutes. Mm-hmm. Uh, we try to encourage it as much as possible. Right. We try to get together as much as possible. Carrie and I, my wife, Carrie, and I try to talk about the Bible not just as something we learn from, but as something that is awesome. And so, and something that is just woven into conversation and and, it, and it, as much as possible becoming a natural part of life. Um, so it's— That's, that's great. That's, uh, so anyhow, I think with Bible reading specifically, for us, it, it I don't think it would work, and I don't think this is a cop-out. I know my own <laughs> sinful nature enough to know that it might be, but uh, but I don't think this is a cop-out, but I think with our kids— if I just said, you can't do anything until you read for 20 minutes today. Um,
2: yeah, I, I'm with that you.
3: Not, I, that, that would not translate into a relational mindset and a love for Jesus for us.
1: Couldn't yeah. agree more. Yeah, I couldn't agree more either. You know, Keith, it's been great to talk with you. We've, you know, some of your insights and the way that you really approach relational parenting to relational faith, really. I mean, you're paralleling uh, the relationship with our Father in Heaven with with your kids. And so they're seeing a good example, an illustration of what life could be like as adults. And ultimately, that's what we're called to do, right, as parents, Just to demonstrate, illustrate uh, what our Father in Heaven is offering to them, and so. Mm-hmm. Indeed. Uh, I really like the fact that you are willing to take the long view with your kids. Um, when when people are in ministry or uh, especially church staff or, or things like that, there's that pressure that your kids have it a little bit more dialed in, <laughs> mm. that they've got their stuff together a little bit more than everybody else's kid because you're, quote, the pastor or you're the, the youth leader. And that just couldn't be uh, less true. Like, (laughs) there's just so much more um, pressure put on on those folks. And so, if you're listening today and you are in that situation or circumstance, you're feeling the pressure. You're not sure your kids are getting this. I really encourage you to read uh, Keith's book. I think the the idea here about relational. Uh, focus over informational focus is a very very important distinction for today's for today's family Robert any closing thoughts no I just I couldn't agree more I'd love to have you back at some point because I know there's a, there's probably a whole
2: lot more we can talk about but I love all your right. approach and it resonates not only with what we talk about a lot on this podcast and that is the relational side of our faith um, but it also you know owning the fact that we don't do everything right all the time. Is not only good to admit from a confessional standpoint, but I think it's good for our kids to see that like we still are trying to figure this all out or we're humans as well. So I get all that right. from everything that you're saying and just, just the way that you are and appreciate you being here today.
3: Oh, my pleasure. My pleasure. Thanks for the invite.
1: Yeah, so uh, listeners, audience, uh, we're grateful that you've taken the time to invest in this. Uh, we want you to know how to get a hold of Keith. You can get a hold of him at KeithFerrin.com, K-E-I-T-H-F-E-R-R-I-N. KeithFerrin.com is his website. He's also on Facebook. We'll have his information on our WordPress blog site and again if you're uh enjoying this and you're encouraged please share this information about our podcast with a friend or fellow parent and like us on facebook and itunes
3: thank Thank you you so much. much for being here yeah my pleasure have a good one you too
1: all right robert i think we just uh you know i think that might be the first of a couple of parts uh with with that particular guest keith has got a a significant passion for relational ministry. I know you and I share that. Yeah, I I couldn't agree more with everything he said. I especially like the fact that he is so
2: intentional about reading the Bible. He's written all these books about it. Um, but takes the relational side so seriously to the extent that's why I asked him a question I didn't mean to put him on the hot seat, but like do you force your kids to read the Bible? Right. Cuz you know, I mean, people that write books like they're pretty militant about what what they believe and what they do and I was so refreshed to hear him really dial into like, no, it's really about it's really about the kid. It's really about the relationship and it's not just about the duty. So I I I know that he's got a tremendous amount more that he can share with us and looking forward to having him back.
1: I, you know, as he was talking, I you know, there was a reluctance a little bit to say, okay, well my youngest is very passionate, you know, mm-hmm. my middle is sort of still into it. My oldest not so much. And uh, I know every parent Who's listening? Who's got kids that are teens and toddlers? All over the place. Or, yeah, I mean that is so normal. That's right. so common. And as a pastor, I can definitely speak to that and say, yes, it's okay. You you haven't failed as a parent. You know, they're not just going to spin off into some crazy world. Um, as a you know, as a as a listener, you may be thinking, I oh, gosh, I I needed to hear that. I needed to know that it it is actually semi-normal for a child to pull back from their faith for a season, especially Mm -hmm. in high school, early college. There's a whole bunch of new ideas maybe bombarding them, and they're still processing. And that's not a failure on the parent's part. Absolutely. Yeah, I remember we did a a really interesting video with Francis Chan Mm -hmm. uh, a few years ago called Shift. Yep. And I remember he shared in his video uh, some of the struggles he had with his daughter when she was, what, 14, 15? Yeah, something like that. Yeah, and just how she pulled back from the Christian faith, how he had to respond to that. um. And how Lisa said, do you think we're doing anything wrong? Do you think we've done? Yeah. And he said, no, I don't. I think, I mean,
2: it, it was just the same kind of thing. Like, they just have to, we have to remember that the relationship with our kids and God is their relationship. It's not through us as a conduit. And uh, now that we could argue about this the, in the elementary years or whatever we are covering, we are responsible for their development, but the pursuit, God's pursuit of our kids is between God and them. And so often I put myself in that conduit seat. And sometimes that's not, we don't have to be there.
1: Yeah. I. I like the analogy from one of our guests last season about the the bike. You know, this mm. idea that the, the age between junior high and high school, the age between uh, child and young adult is like the learning to ride a bike. Mm. And they're doing that metaphorically with their faith. You know, they're beginning to pedal. They're beginning to lose the training wheels. And as parents, learning to let go is more than just letting them you know, have a driver's license and sort of go and do things without you, but it's also learning how to let them develop their faith, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. It's a critical yeah. part of their development. Yeah, I agree with that. Well, I, I enjoyed, uh, he, Keith's, perspective on that he has so many books I, as you look up his bibliography mm-hmm. i think he has six or seven books he's a senior uh consultant there at awana yeah uh, he does some master's classes with incm and the cpc conventions um yeah so we're honored to have him on yeah i mean he's he's a legit uh thoughtful writer with kids at home and i always appreciate it when they have kids at home because now it's not just theory right you're right um well I as i I wrote a couple of notes down here for us as we uh, kind of close out the thought process and one of the the suggestions I was going to make uh, to a parent is that you may not want to use the hardest translation when you are encouraging your kid to write, read the Bible you mm-hmm. might want to look for a translation that's a little easier like for, the message yeah like the, the message them. translation or the living translation. Um, And I don't know if parents know about those. Some parents will know about some translations of the Bible, but the message translation was written by Eugene Peterson, and it's widely uh, recommended for youth and and young adults, especially those who have uh, very little background in the church. Mm -hmm. It's a paraphrased translation, and it's very helpful. And it's one of the things that I've used as a pastor when I engage with Teenagers who are struggling with sort of understanding some of those older words. Yeah, um, uh, ha- have you found that to be helpful with your kids? To- Not with my kids, but with me. With I you, mean, you okay, know Yeah. I mean, it it really it can provide.
2: I love the richness of original texts. I mean, I think there's something, and there's so much to when you're really trying to discover w- what the Bible is saying. There's nothing like digging into the you know the the original words and that kind of thing, but. To create kind of context or a flow, I, I really enjoy the message, and I know that my kids do too. It's um, one of the easier translations to, to to process, like to just get into, because you're actually being pulled through a story um, as opposed to the these and the thous. And um, like I said, those things have their place, but it's been an important part of our family.
1: Yeah, I agree. So uh, in closing, if you're a parent and, and you're struggling with a teenager or a tween who has a, sort of a lukewarm... Uh, mm-hmm. interest in, in scripture, you definitely might want to search out Keith Farron and his book. Uh, you might also want to think about getting them a message version of the Bible, either digitally uh, or in print. And I think most kids today, they're listening to the Bible as much as... Absolutely. I was going to say anything. audio
2: is is a big... I think it's a it's a really good it's a really good option.
1: Yeah.
2: Also, I'd plug at the same time, um, our friends at David C. Cook did the Action Bible, which is a fantastic um, graphic illustration of books of the Bible, and and that's available. to just, I think it really pulls you into the story of it. You can visualize some of the things that were going well, on. Well,
1: I gotta admit, you know, they they actually hired someone from Marvel Comics. I know to illustrate that that Bible, and and it's actually really cool. Yeah, like I would, I enjoy looking at it. Just would I artwork. say something
2: that wasn't cool? Well, you're act surprised. No, like I, a suggestion
1: is not. No comment. Uh I am endorsing what you just suggested, which makes me you know supportive okay well i appreciate everyone's time today we enjoyed it very much and before we go we have started uh you know some wise uh sayings from winston our mascot winston and i had a chat earlier today winston uh of course talks only to me and um it's because of the cheese that i always have for Winston. is that right it is winston has a has a uh, connection with me, Robert. And I know uh, he's your dog. Yeah, but there's a thing that that Winston and I share. That you also say that the lampstand talks to you. So. No, I've never had a talk with the lampstand. Okay. Only Winston. And Winston was sharing some information I think our listeners would find kind of fascinating. In particular, do you know that there was a uh, a smartphone named Simon? I did actually. He, wow, I didn't know that. Winston shared that with me. You know, he's been reading up on his technology. That's the the very first smartphone ever Uh was named Simon. Uh, It cost a thousand dollars and it was roughly the size of a lunchbox. Yeah,
2: (laughs) that's convenient.
1: Yeah. And and the other thing that Winston told me is not only have smartphones uh, really evolved, but the smartphone today that you have or your kids have in, in in their backpacks. These are more powerful right now. The the. The processing power in today's smartphone is more powerful than the Apollo 11 moon landing. I heard that. i heard that. I'm surprised Winston knows this. Winston, he, he will surprise you because Winston pays attention. And uh, he is deeply tuned into technology, as all of our parents should be. Mm. Yes. Okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> is that a segue? All right. I think it's time to wrap this yeah, up. Yeah, You need some cold need some medicines wearing more cold off. Cold medicine. Well, uh, thank you, everyone. God bless you. Please, again, visit our uh, website, brilliantlybraveparenting.com. On iTunes, uh, reviews make or break us, so we'd love for you to make a a review. Uh, If this has been helpful, share it with a friend. And join us next week for a special guest, friend of ours, Bob Gresh. He's launching a brand new tour. Born to be brave, specifically for fathers and their sons. This is a unique and insightful podcast. We hope you can definitely download next week's episode. Join us here next week at Brilliantly Brave Parenting.
0: Parents, remember, even if you may not feel brilliant or brave, you are. For God gave us a spirit not of fear, but of power and love and self-control. And I am not ashamed, for I know whom I have believed. I am convinced that he is able to guard until that day what has been entrusted to me. 2 Timothy 1, 7 and 13. This podcast is a service of iShine Ministries and the Tween Gospel Alliance, all rights reserved. Donations to Brilliantly Brave are tax-deductible at iShineLive.com. Review and subscribe to this podcast on SoundCloud, Stitcher, iTunes, or on our webpage. And read our blog and connect with us at wordpress at brilliantlybrave.com. Thanks for joining us for another episode of Brilliantly Brave. Green. Check us out at iShineLive.com.
1: What our kids believe is going to define them for a lifetime. According to George Barna, by the age of 13, what a kid believes The Shock and Awe Study Guide is a super cool thing
2: that either a parent can do with their kid or a youth pastor can do with their students
1: It is a fantastic resource that I have used as a pastor in my own home church, and I have been impressed. So check it out. Check it out.